the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Ed Martin here on a Pro-America Report. Time to talk today with John Schlafly. Haven't talked to John in a while. He's actually battling a cold. I was talking to him earlier, but we'll talk with him in a moment and uh, see what he's up to. And uh, hopefully he'll be feeling better and won't be uh, under the weather. He uh I ne- John John Schlafly is never never in my experience has he been uh, uh, ill. So it'll be uh, it's funny he's a cold. He's doing fine. Uh, also, uh, Representative Andrew Beeler, Andrew Beeler from uh, Michigan, will join us. Uh, Pro life legislator uh, and a leader in Michigan. He's going to tell us that Michigan's in play. We're going to look at some of these battleground states over the next few months uh, and see what we can find. And also, Andrew Beeler, I will ask him about the uh, subject of the wink, uh, our conversation right now, you and I, because he happens to be a Catholic guy. He went to the Naval Academy, served in the Navy, came back to Michigan, grew up as and went to a Catholic high school, is a lifelong traditional Catholic. The traditional Catholic is what you're a target of. If you are uh, now, it looks like and not just in Richmond. So we'll get to that. But first, please visit ProAmericaReport.com, ProAmericaReport.com and sign up for the Daily Wink. The Daily Wink is available uh, when you sign up. It comes in your inbox at 8 a.m. Uh, East Coast, 5 a.m. Pacific and everywhere in between. You'll get a few thoughts, a few comments, a few things, a few links. And especially you'll get a wink like just now, which is what's the wink? It's what you need to know, what you need to know. And today, what you need to know is this. Well, they lied. And I'm not surprised. Well, what am I talking about? You remember a few months ago? The head of the FBI, uh, Director Ray, appeared, and he was asked, uh, he p- p- appeared before the, uh, the U.S. House, the Republicans in the House, and he was asked about this effort to target Catholics, traditional Catholics, that happened uh, and was discovered, I don't know, a year before. And he said, oh, no, no, don't worry, don't worry, don't worry. That was just Richmond. Richmond got a little out of control. Some of the guys in the field office had a burr in their saddle, and they were saying, hey, you got to look closer at these people that are Catholics. Those Catholics, they can be really something. And I'll tell you, um, you know, but it's just Richmond. That's what Director Ray said. Turns out he was lying. Now documents have come out that show that at least – Two, maybe three other field offices were doing the same thing. And now Director Ray, I think he's clarified his remarks, at least his uh, spokesman has, his spokesperson has, and said something like, well, I couldn't tell you the truth because there was an ongoing investigation. This is the biggest scam. This is the biggest swamp scam and corruption scam right now is the the line that there's an ongoing investigation, therefore we can't tell the truth. But here's now what we know and what you need to know. Think through why they were targeting and they are targeting traditional Catholics. The traditional Catholics are pro-life. They're pro-structure. Uh, uh, I, I would argue that a traditional Catholic, a properly understood, 
is a conservative, small c, a liberal, traditional liberal, meaning, you know, the, the historic definition of liberal. And in particular, a traditional Catholic understands three things that are very important. One, they understand the rule of law. They understand rules. They understand that rules are real and that you have to abide by them. They, they, they recognize order. Second related point, traditional Catholics believe that someone's in charge, even of this earthly place. There is a, a St. Thomas Aquinas. I did some study on this years ago. Thomas Aquinas actually has referred did refer in some, in, in some of, in some context to the notion that there's a common good, which is true, right? You and I as created in the image of likeness of God, there's a common good that we have to worry about. When, when I see my brother or sister suffering the image of likeness of God, I got to worry about it. I got to care about it at least. And so, you know, I, and more, by the way, I have to care about it more than I care about the trees. I can care about the trees, but there's a hierarchy of goods. But Aquinas also referenced the notion of a political common good, that there are certain things that have to be done as the as a people. And I, I've always thought of it as a, a sort of a, a notion that Catholics, traditional Catholics, understand the idea that there's going to be certain places in a um in the system that handle certain things, like education is first for the family, mom and dad and the family. Then secondarily, outside entity, and 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 that might that be might be far down the line before it's a a government entity, if at all. And so the idea that anyway, so that's two things, and the third thing that ca- that traditional Catholics are um, clearly focused on, have an, a, a, a sense about, is what you could call traditional values: life, freedom, property. That, you know, because you understand the rules, you understand property, but especially life, for example. And so uh, it would be abhorrent to a, a traditional Catholic to see abortion. It wouldn't just be an inconvenient policy matter. And so the notion that they're targeting, this is what you need to know, they're targeting traditional Catholics is because why? Because they don't like those positions and because they're trying to frame the narrative that these people are Christian nationalists, extremists. It's one of the reasons why I don't think that, truth be told, the Biden administration and the leftists, that I don't think they care that this is becoming public because they made sure to protect themselves that they didn't do anything wrong. And just because one house of the one body of the U.S. Congress, the House, is going to complain, it's not going to stop them. And I believe before it's all said and done, the next shoe to drop in the next three weeks, month, will be that evangelical Christians were also being watched, that evangelical Christians were also a a target because of the fear of what they could be doing. And again, watch. What you need to know is the targeting is about framing the narrative to say there are Christian nationalists, extremists among us. You should worry about it. Remember last week? I was it last week? I think it was last week. Maybe maybe a few days ago. I was reading to you that political political argue uh, political piece where the 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 line that was thrown out was that the the most significant threat to our homeland is you know extremists 
domestic terrorism. Where is that? I, have you seen that? The, the most significant threat, physical threat to our, our, our homeland is in our cities, violence in our cities. But I'm pretty sure if you wanted me to get into it, I think I could come around to the most significant threat to our homeland security is the Chinese communists that are infiltrating on every block. But be that as it may, you can bet your bottom dollar that this is happening in a way and a timing to frame that up. This is not happening. It, it will be it will be FBI field office wide. It'll be DOJ wide. It'll be very similar to January 6th, where the framing, the narrative was insurrection, coordinated insurrection, you know, e- extremists. And this and, and everyone didn't matter if you were just a guy that came, walked through the Capitol. You're still part of and you're, you're tagged with that. And you, it becomes a self-fulfilling uh, prophecy because, for example, the Proud Boys, groups of these men, usually big strapping lads and all, that came to D.C. in December, late November, to be parts of those gatherings. This is in 2020 when they were, people were saying, what about the elections? They, were, they weren't violent. They were very protective. They were, they were scaring off Antifa. I can't say I saw any kind of extremist. The guy that headed it up is a Hispanic Latino, half and half, I think. The point here is they 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 call them that, and then you are, are fulfilling that. So you say, ha oh, ha, look at this. These are extremists. And then you say, there was an insurrection. Oh, wow. They were extremists. L- last month, they were extremists. Then there was this riot. We'll call it an insurrection. Yeah, it'll work. So traditional Catholics, and then they say, oh, the extremists and the next shooter drop will be oh and those extremist protestant evangelicals oh, those guys and it starts to look like a pattern it's done very intentionally it's done very intentionally it is done so that they can do what not just have the talking point that's not it they do it so they can also use the talking point to target to chill behavior and speech that's true but also targeted whether you're catholics whether you're evangelicals you don't want nobody wants to be called an extremist that doesn't sound or feel good so you start to say well i step back from that i I, I tell you the truth one thing i'm not sure i would go to any political rally right now because i don't trust that it wouldn't be a mess where you'd be targeted that's pretty chilling and that's done not because of the fear of what happens at it, but because the fear of what the feds would do with it or others, law enforcement. All right. That's what you need to know. We got to take a break. We'll be right back. We'll talk with John Schlafly and uh, Representative Andrew Beeler of Michigan. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Back in a moment. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Uh, interesting uh, times and so much happening. And, you know, more and more of the opportunities for good things happening are happening at the state and local level, which is, I think, better uh, for those of us that are conservative. Uh, a little closer to the people uh, is a little more effective. And so uh, our next guest is uh, Representative Andrew Beeler. He is in the Michigan House of Representatives. Been there since, I think, November of 2020 is when he won his race. Um, and he's in the 60s. 4th uh, district and has uh, been active there and and uh, also as a former navy guy a naval academy grad and uh, also did uh, some studies at the University of Chicago. So first of all, let me ask you the first question, uh, Representative Beeler, uh, are you, and this is being serious, are you enjoying 
being in office like this. I mean, a guy in the Navy, you used to sort of getting things done, um, you know, and, and, uh, and doesn't always happen that things can get done in a direct line in serving in that house. So welcome, first of all. And then tell me, uh, tell me what you think about being in office. Yeah, thanks so much for having me first. I would say uh, it's been the tale of two terms for me. I'm, I'm in my second term in the Michigan House and yep. in my first term being in the majority, um, you know, having the gavel in both the House and the Senate was just a very different experience, right? The conservative ideas getting forwarded, bill ideas that I had had that I had run on were, were able to be moved realistically and uh, come into my second term, and we're in a, a two-seat minority, a one-vote minority, I should say, mm-hmm. and uh, having having been giving no committees assignments, uh, being in a fully Democrat-controlled uh, trifecta in state government in Michigan, it has been uh, it has been really challenging. Um, but I'm also the chair of our uh, House Republican Campaign Committee, and so. Frankly, uh, I've been spending a lot of my time in the second term uh, while while people are not listening to my legislative ideas. I've been spending <laughs> a lot of time trying to make sure that Republicans take back the House in two years and then kind of put a stop to the radical left's agenda here in Michigan. Uh, we're talking again with uh, State Representative Andrew Beeler, Michigan uh, House of uh, Representatives, uh, and we'll get uh, we'll get back to a couple of things. But I want I want to ask you one. I, I watching from Ohio in the last couple of days as they break down what happened with this vote on uh, on Tuesday to try to change the in, uh, the uh, initiative uh, ballot initiative stuff. Uh, you know, I love when the national media and everyone says, "Oh yeah, this shows you know you can't uh, you can't run on uh, social issues. You can't talk about these conservative issues." I, I noticed that one of your priorities when you got into office, uh, was, and still, still something now is, uh, pregnancy resource centers and being innovative with the tax credits. I, the reason I want to ask you that is I have a friend out in St. Louis who's a very dynamic, uh, leader named Bridget Van Means. And one of the things she said after Dobbs was, Hey, you know, don't tell me not to care about this abortion issue. Tell me to be more creative about how we talk about what's at heart here. And how do we, you know, how do we get focused on, say, the mom? Um, and the dad, if the dad's around, but certainly the mom, how do you make it easier for mom to be able to make the right decisions and all? I, you know, part of being a really a, a good leader and in this case, a good elected official is taking what you believe and, and packaging it in right ways. I, I think that's true with the, uh, the life issue. Uh, and how do you you now that you're leading a statewide um, focus to try to get back the majority. How do you feel about that? Yeah, well, I, I think that, you know, you're exactly right. Your pro-lifers so often get pigeonholed in this position that, well, you only care about uh, the unborn uh, until it's born and then your hands off. You don't care about the family. You don't care about the single mother. That couldn't be further from the truth. And pregnancy resource centers and our, and our advocacy for those is the proof positive of that. So I've got a, I've got a fantastic pregnancy resource center right here in my district. It's in my hometown and it serves uh, those in need, right? Unexpected pregnancies happen all the time. And this pregnancy resource center exists to support moms and dads and grandparents and, and brothers and sisters involved in an unexpected pregnancy to give them the resources they need to show them that the community is wrapping their arms around them. They are embracing them and that uh, choosing life is, uh, is the right thing to do. And, uh, and, raising this child into a loving community and a loving family is possible. And, and we're here to provide the support. I, of course, don't think that that's the government's role. And, uh, and so that's once again, why I simply say, Hey, if you, if you make a contribution to a, to a pregnancy resource center, just go ahead and, uh, and, and we'll give you a tax credit for that. We give tax credits for all sorts of things. Uh, none of which uh, are about half as helpful or as effective as a pregnancy resource center. So that's why I introduced the bill to, to simply provide hundred percent tax credit. If you're going to make contributions to pregnancy, resource centers. I think the state has a compelling interest 
to to provide uh, both single and and married mothers expecting uh, a child uh, to provide them those resources. And I think this is a very simple way of doing it. We're just going to go ahead and not collect tax on that money whatsoever. And uh, and and in the in the process, we'll we'll support those expecting moms and dads. Uh, again, we're we're talking uh, right now with uh, a representative, Andrew Beeler. So tell me about Michigan. We've been I, I, if you're not from Michigan, not in Michigan, you've been told, oh, my gosh, it's gone blue. You know, the governor is amazing. She's going to the most dynamic thing. What's what's the real prospects? What are you seeing? The economy hitting everybody hard, especially a state like Michigan. How do you feel about uh, next year? What do you think about the the prospect that maybe? It's not a um, uh, a state where there's, you know, the Republicans try too hard at the national level. I don't know. what. Give me your sense on what you see coming in uh, the next election cycle. Yeah, in the last few months, uh, so many folks have said, well, Michigan's no longer a purple state. It's a blue state. I'm, I'm here to say that's completely false. Uh, Michigan is maybe at worst a purple state, but at best, we're a red state at heart. We are a state with conservative values. We are blue collar, hardworking families. Uh, who simply want the government out of our lives. 2022, I think we saw somewhat of a perfect storm of, of outside money from outside the state coming in to, to kind of misrepresent a pro-abortion proposition on the, uh, on the, on the ballot. And I think that uh, many people were misled. It is not what they signed up for, but they were driven to the polls nonetheless. And Republicans lost the majority by a mere 1400 votes. We had seven seats decided by 2000 seats or less. Uh, so that does not make the state a blue state at all. If you are on the ground talking to folks, going to door, door to door as I am, uh, you'll understand that even folks who might vote Democrat, they have conservative values. So our focus is really tapping into that, demonstrating to people that Gretchen Whitmer's agenda, uh, which, which turns Michigan in the opposite direction, makes it less competitive, drives businesses away and confiscates more money from working families and seniors. That is not the agenda that they signed up for last November. And the, fortunately, the House will be the first chance that everyone has to rebuke the message that that is what they signed up for. So I'm here to tell you that, that we are, we are poised to, to not only retake the House, but we're very bullish on how many seats we can take back. And really just bring Gretchen Whitmer's agenda to a screeching halt. Uh, it'll, it'll, it'll bring me a great deal of joy, uh, when we take the gavel back in January. So two, two quick questions. Uh, we're only, we only got a couple of uh, minutes left. One, um, this, I know, I think I read in your bio that you're Catholic, or at least maybe you were in Catholic schools, which means you'd have an overlap with a lot of folks. But, uh, and then also, um, you'd have a lot of Catholic constituents either way. So one is the FBI monitoring Catholics. It looked like, it looks like that was a lot bigger than originally admitted. They said it was a Richmond field office. It looks like it's a bigger problem. The second thing, and I know I'm lumping it together, but I think that, that it's still, um, important. The Michigan 16, the, the electors that have been targeted by, uh, they were supposed to be Trump electors. This happens all the time that, uh, that different groups say, Hey, let's draft our electors. They're being, they've been charged by your attorney general. I mean, we, I, I don't like the term weaponizing law enforcement, weaponizing the government because as someone said, that sounds cool. It sounds like a video game. I, I call it corruption and, uh, corruptly targeting Catholics, corruptly targeting electors. Th- th- this is, I, I gotta think it helps Michigan. Michigan voters see clearly what side they want. I mean, am I overseeing it, reading it? No, I, I think that's a really good take. I, I am a practicing Catholic, and so I was uh, particularly disturbed by the idea that the federal government is cracking down on, on specifically traditional Catholics. I myself, uh, on Sundays anyway, I attend a traditional Latin Mass, and that was the group that 
uh, was was uh, overtly targeted by the FBI. So that's deeply, deeply troubling and, dare I say, un-American. Uh, but I like your term. I, I think it is corruption, right? We have seen that across, uh, not just in Michigan, across the states, even at the federal level, of uh, people weaponizing the, the justice system to go after political adversaries. It's, it's completely unacceptable. Um, and, and I think when folks look around and see this type of thing happening, they know, boy, this is not America. This is not Michigan. This does not align with our values. And and again, I'm looking forward to November 24 when, when the Voters get a chance to say enough's enough. Uh, do you have um uh, uh, do you have any interim elections uh, coming in the in the fall here that to look at and uh, or is it is everything sort of staked out for the for next year? Yeah, everything's more or less staked out for November twenty four. Okay. Okay. Good. Well, listen. Hey, thank you for coming on. I think it's great to have an update from Michigan. Uh, we will have you back on again, and good luck with everything. Uh, congratulations. Sounds like uh, you, things are headed in the right direction, and uh, look forward to hearing more. Thanks a lot, Ed. All right. Thank you. Uh, and we will put, uh, uh, I'd almost call him congressman. That's getting ahead of myself. But uh, Representative Andrew Beeler from up in Michigan. Uh, very interesting time and interesting uh, um, young elected official leading the charge there. I think they're going to, I think people are going to be surprised. As, you know, we didn't even get into the economy um, that the impact it has on regular folks. So, but we got to take a break. We'll be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro America Report. Back in a moment. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on a Pro-America Report. Time to check in with John Schlafly. Now, John Schlafly, of course, is uh, he is always available, uh, always available, never on assignment, as they say when you're away in, in the world of radio. Uh, but he does have a little bit of a cold. You'll hear it in his voice in a moment. But, John, I'm so pleased because I felt like the last few weeks when I went to the Schlafly Report, I was getting lots of good arguments, lots of packed in stuff, but it didn't feel like I had something I could say, aha, I need that today. And right now, the headline is D.C. Power Grab Invites a Shutdown. John and Andy Schlafly's weekly column, which runs over at townhall.com and is archived at phyllisschlafly.com. Now we're talking, John, because even as you wrote this, it posted a day or two ago, the 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 uh, the machinery in uh, the swamp is churning and the debate is happening. OK, will they shut down this uh, government over a fight over the budget? Will they get some things changed? What will happen? So, uh, first of all, welcome back, John. How are you? Thank you. Thank you. And yes, the word shutdown is certainly in the air and it's part of the conversation. And it will be from now until September 30th. So but my co- clear yeah, that, go ahead. That, that term has is ambiguous and we've got to clarify what what a shutdown really is. Well, and I was going to say, you know, you, you get to write your own. I think you get to write your own headlines because of the way your column is distributed. So because the word shutdown is I don't know, I, I feel like they may have um, they may have. uh uh, flip the word, flip the word on uh, on you know the conservatives because the reality is you know if the if the government's going to stop working it's going to be because the Democrats decide they refuse to deal uh, on some things like the border. Chip Roy is demanding Congressman Roy from Texas something on the border. I've talked about how Planned Parenthood spent tens of millions of dollars in Ohio a few days ago. Uh, them and they and their allies that's they get seven hundred million dollars in taxes. They should be defunded. There's a number of things that could be done. So first, John. Is and now you talk here about the sham indictment of Donald Trump um, by the by the DOJ. D- do you see any growing spine amongst uh, House Republicans to do this? Well, there's a handful of members, uh, and but you know the the margin is so close that the the committed small number of members I think should be able to get something done. Now there, as you say, there it's a target rich environment. There are many things they could do. 
something about the border, something about Planned Parenthood, uh, something about the, the uh, prosecution of Trump. Those are all those are three great areas in which the House of Representatives has to say well, this bed bill, none of the funds provided by this bill may be used for X, Y, and Z. And that's what they should do. Will they do it? I mean, I, and when I say that, John, when I read your column, as we're talking with John Schlafly, uh, it's one of these columns where, you know, you sort of almost have to imagine the the uh, the the the, um, the rank and file House Republicans and the leadership sort of getting their head around doing it different this time because they get boxed into a corner. I mean, I know Politico is always lying, so I, I read it to see what the lies are. And the lies earlier on Thursday, I think, were, oh, uh, House leadership Republicans are considering working with Democrats to uh, to pass, uh, you know, to just to not have this, you know, great shutdown. I, I think that's all a lie. But I just, I guess my my question is, you know, I feel like uh, Charlie Brown and and the the this is, you know, you're Lucy, you're holding the football, and here I come. Uh, is there something different in the air? Well, the re- Republicans will be have to have to be willing to go to the mat, and what that means is they have to be willing to pass uh, spending bills by September 30th that they know full well the Democrats will not want to accept. And so we then will have a brief, probably a brief period in which agencies of government, not the entire government, but certain agencies, including HHS and the Justice Department and Homeland Security, will not be uh, And that could last days or even weeks until, the, until it's resolved. Uh, again, we're talking with John Schlafly. John, um, it feels to me one thing that could happen is if President Trump I hate to say it. Maybe, maybe, maybe he doesn't have to do it publicly. Maybe he could do it privately. But if he asked for it, in other words, if he said, "You know what, I, I, you guys got to defund this guy," now could he do that? I mean, we're in a world where he gets uh, prosecuted for free speech. Could he do it publicly? Could he say, "This is a witch hunt. This is out of control. I hope somebody defunds it." I mean, we, <laughs> he could be arrested for that well, yes, next. He could do it, and I think he would do it if someone gave him the idea. Uh, well, that's we, why he reads your got, column. That's we've why got he... a few weeks here. There's certainly there's certainly time to do that, and 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 uh, because the charges that Jack Smith brought against Trump are are a stretch to give them you know to be generous. They are a stretch. They are using federal statutes in ways they've never been used before, and the House can say no, you can't do that. We will not pay for you to uh, stretch federal criminal statutes beyond the limits of what is heretofore thought to be acceptable. And you can't do that. And the House should do that. Uh, and uh, but the reality and then it would be that the Senate would never do it. Right. But so you'd at least highlight it, I guess, um, as a practical matter, John, how does that work? If, if, if the House put if the House passed a budget and it, let's say it got passed the Senate signed by the president and it said you can't spend any money on that, um, it, that would be one of those specific uh, uh, provisions, so it could stop the. There's, it's not like the thing where they move some money from somewhere else to keep doing the work, right? It could say we forbid spending on this at all. Is that correct? Well, yes, you could identify the specific sections of the federal criminal code which have been used to indict Trump and say none of the funds under this, uh, under the Justice Department appropriation may be used to enforce those statutes, and mm-hmm. you could qualify it a little further, uh. So maybe the, uh, they could be artfully qualified in a way that would be effectively, you know, not you wouldn't name Trump, but you would effectively uh, limit the abusive extension of how Jack Smith used those statutes. 
Um, John, if I may, let me slide to a different subject, although it's, it feels to me like it's, it's a part of the DOJ. I mean, it doesn't feel like it. It's growing, the growing realization that it was not the Richmond field office that got uh, excited about Catholic conservatives and who they were. It looks like at least three, maybe four, uh, FBI offices were involved. I suspect before we're done, it will be known to have been, uh, uh, they, you know, generally in the FBI, not one field office. I have to think that they will find that they also were observing uh, conservative evangelicals. Um, the, the point here is you have to fit the, the you have to find a way to push the narrative of so-called Christian nationalism. And, and this is extremism. I, uh, where are we headed, John? I mean, you must you again, you've, you've been at this and you've been the Schlafly name has been thrown around in lots of ways and slurred and smeared. But we're talking about the, the, the top lines of law enforcement being used to target conservatives. Blurring the line of terrorism is part of what's responsible for this. When the uh, our government said, well, terrorism is not just uh, foreign operations anymore. They also have domestic terrorism. You know, that was a barrier that was breached. And my view is that sh- that hard barrier should be restored. So that nothing in the United States is classified as terrorism. So, you know, so that would be part of it. You know, there's this thing that, of course, after 9-11, and which is... That was a long, seems like it was a long time ago now. Uh, the entire federal government was at extreme pains not to blame Muslims, even though uh, a certain strain of Islam was at the root of the 9-11 attack. Yet they, you know, our president at that time said, no, Islam is a religion of peace, and we love the Muslims, and we're not going to take Muslims, we're not going to investigate Muslims. And so they searched around for uh, other religions to give equal time to federal investigation. So I think that's part of it. And that's kind of an illustration of way the where the federal government goes wrong. You know, look, they're not the same. Christianity is not the same as Islam. You 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 uh, you're off on a wrong track if you feel like the government has to say that Islam and Christianity are the same or have equal rights to the protection of the United States government. If you think that, then we're going to run into 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 misconduct like this forever. Well, and John uh, John Schlafly, our guest, his column is uh, posted over at uh, phyllisschlafly.com. I'm reminded uh, just a few weeks after uh, 9-11, Phyllis Schlafly gave a speech. I can hear it in my head because I've listened to it on, on tape, on audio file. And she said, this is an immigration problem. These people got into this country and, and they you know attacked the country. And then she said very specifically, this is two weeks after 9-11, don't, don't let this be used to abuse the American people. And uh, as opposed to the people who came here and did this and uh, couldn't be couldn't couldn't have been more prescient in terms of the impact of uh, things like the Patriot Act and others that have just gone from, you know, from uh, bad to worse. All right, John Schlafly, thank you, as always. John Schlafly, the Schlafly Report of available townhall.com, as well as over at phyllisschlafly.com. We have to take a break. We'll be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report back in a moment. This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report. A daily commentary continuing the conservative pro-family legacy of Phyllis Schlafly. Now, here's the president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, Ed Martin. It's been said that whether an individual returns their shopping cart may be the ultimate test of whether mankind is capable of self-governance. Whether or not that assertion is true, we can all agree that the world is a better place because of the shopping cart's existence. 
After all, without the shopping cart, we likely would never have had the supermarket, bulk foods, or many of the other modern conveniences that come with living in the plenteous society that we enjoy in America. So in many ways, our modern consumer experience can be traced back to an Oklahoma man named Sylvan Goldman, the very ordinary man who invented the shopping cart in 1937. Goldman was born in 1898 to immigrant parents. His father worked in a dry goods store in Baltimore before moving out to Oklahoma to help pioneer the West. Goldman himself worked in a dry goods store as a boy before lying about his age so that he could join the U.S. Army just 19 days after America declared war on Germany in World War I. Upon returning home after the war, Goldman and his brother entered the grocery business and eventually purchased the Humpty Dumpty chain of grocery stores. It was there that Goldman developed, patented, and marketed his incredible idea of a, quote, combination basket and carriage, end quote, that could take up very little space when stored and allow customers to navigate store aisles with ease. However, every hero's story has its challenges. When Goldman first deployed his shopping carts, he was shocked to see that none of his customers were using them because they were unfamiliar with the foreign concept. The brilliant Goldman actually hired women to walk around his store with the carts, pretending to be customers, and the idea quickly took off. As is common in such cases of American innovation, the humble Goldman was elevated to a place of wealth and stature, while all Americans were elevated by this new modern convenience. Our unique U.S. patent and trademark system made this progress possible. Let's protect that system so future Sylvan Goldmans can make America a better place. This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. American ingenuity should be celebrated and rewarded. Individual inventors should be protected from any threat, foreign or domestic, that would steal their patents and profits. At phyllisschlafly.com, we promise to stand up for those who work hard, innovate, and dream big. If that's you, join us at phyllisschlafly.com. And thanks for listening to the Phyllis Schlafly Report. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. I mentioned earlier in our program that I would get to this uh, story. Um, so we have a, a an FBI agent. Uh, his name is Charles McGonigal. And um, he has uh, previously, he was charged, uh, criminal charges of evading U.S. sanctions and money laundering. That's what his charges were. He previously pleaded guilty, but he's now changed his plea and he is pleading. Excuse me. He previously pleaded not guilty and he has uh, now changed his plea and he is pleading guilty. OK, so you say, OK, Ed, well, that's um, that's interesting. What's the story? Here's the thing. McGonagall, he previous before this, before he left. So he's pleading guilty to a crime that he committed after he left the FBI, to be clear. So his is not formal corruption where he was on the payroll of the government when he committed these crimes no 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 he left and so he left and then a guy who was an expert he was an expert he was the head of the fbi's counterintelligence counterintelligence division in new york city now you have to know that new york city first of all is like a country unto itself when it comes to the size and scope of law enforcement right the nypd is one of the biggest forces in the world 
other countries don't have forces as big law enforcement as what NYPD uh, NYPD is. And when it comes to the FBI, because of all the things that are happening in New York from uh, commercial uh, and uh, and institutional transactions, as well as crime, everything else is coming through. New York is the center of the world. Eh, maybe D.C. is. But in terms of uh, maybe action, uh, New York is. So he this guy is not a small time guy. He was the head of the counterintelligence division in New York of the FBI, and he retired in 2018. So then after he got out in 2018, he took secret payments from one of the Russian oligarchs to try to investigate another. So now he he goes out of office in 18, sets up a security consulting firm, basically a private eye, except they use bigger terms now. And he goes out and he gets a Russian who pays him lots of money. The point is, this guy knew exactly what he was doing. He knew the laws he was skirting. But here's the detail. Here's the reality. Think about how insane this is. This guy, McGonagall, was involved. He was at the top levels of the of the government in 2018 and for the years before and knew exactly what the Russia. So we have a, an FBI agent who was involved in the Russia, Russia, Russia hoax at the highest level of the FBI. He's involved and in part of all this, the Russia, Russia, Russia hoax is ongoing. There's all kinds of investigations. He's counterintelligence, so he's knee deep in it. And then he goes out and he's pleading guilty to what? Guilty to what? Collusion with the Russians. You can't make this stuff up. You cannot make this stuff up. The fact that the um, the reality of the what they've accused others of, Donald Trump, uh, Donald Trump Jr., the campaigns in 16, is what the FBI agents at the highest level are going out and doing. It reminds me, by the way, of when you saw the 50-plus uh, senior uh, 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 intelligence officials who signed that letter about the Biden uh, laptop. You say, why would they do that? It was clearly, you know, group think they were either not paying attention or they were going along because they knew the powerful wanted it. And the reason why is they all make money for it. Do you think that Brennan and Clapper, who are among those 50, get paid lots of money to be on CNN and NBC I think Brennan's on NBC, Clapper's on CNN. And, and do you think they get paid a lot of money to say nothing? Of course not. They get paid to make news, to break news, to be influential. And how do you think they get to be influential? Their former sources and the, their former colleagues are now sources. The point here is the system is so corrupt that the overlap between people who are doing whatever they want and then holding us accountable, it's almost like a, there's not even a Venn diagram needed. It's a full overlap. Whatever they're accusing you of doing as a citizen or Trump of doing as a Trump guy or Trump campaign or whatever, that's what they're doing. That's what they're doing. Think about the insanity of what Jack Smith is doing. I think it was Alan Dershowitz who went on TV and Alan Dershowitz said, you know, that um, uh, uh, Jack Smith is accusing Donald Trump of misleading the people because he knew something and he was he knew something was true and he didn't say all of it. Right. That's what he's saying. He's saying he knew he, Jack Smith is saying Donald Trump knew the election was perfect. And he went out and he told people it wasn't perfect to try to get them to do something. That's what they're basically saying. Except, you know what? Dershowitz said the other day. Dershowitz said, when you read the whole indictment, Jack Smith, the prosecutor, puts in the record of the indictment, the speech that Trump gave on January 6th, except he leaves out the part where Trump says, make sure you're peaceful and patriotic. In other words, Jack Smith leaves out the part that makes clear that Trump wasn't doing what Jack Smith wants to believe he did or wants you to believe he did. In other words, Jack Smith is deceiving the public to promote something to be done. 
Hey, I mean, he should be run out of the law at the bar. He should be he should be disbarred for that. And instead, he's being lauded as the guy that's saving the world, saving America from his uh, from from his these uh, this you know great great misconduct, this great you know whatever however you describe it. It's amazing to see. It's tragic to understand, but it just makes you shake your head. You just shake your head and say, I can't believe they're doing it like this. And I can't believe the chutzpah they have, except at this point, there's no doubting the chutzpah. I mean, there's no there's nothing about this that is now surprising as long as you start to see it and recognize it and name it. And again, I'll just finish with this and we'll we'll move on. You know, the biggest problem with all of it is not that it's happening. It's that if you go look, you you can read the Reuters article. I was reading the Reuters article on this, and they will not. They they say only that an FBI agent uh, pled guilty um, to uh, working with the Russians, colluding with the Russians. They don't make clear his previous role in the timing. They don't draw the conclusion. It should be news. They don't bother. All right, we got to run. We got to run. Thank you as always to Noah Dingley, our producer. Thank you especially to Ryan Hyde, our associate producer. Who we've had I've been on the road a bit, and he's done a great job keeping the logistics. And also Mason Mohan out in St. Louis, associate producer. We will be back tomorrow. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro America Report. Talk to you then. This is the Pro America Report on the Answer, San Diego. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.